we're pretty close to wrapping up this series that we've been calling Thanks for Giving. And the idea behind it is that um, we're, we're pretty typical or it's pretty common to do the, uh, to do, oh, I'm thankful for my house, I'm thankful for my car, that kind of stuff. But our thought was like, how do we go a little bit deeper? Like, how can we look behind that? An example would be, I'm thankful for my job, but to be thankful for your job, you should be probably thankful for your education. And then to be thankful for your education, you should be thankful for the teacher or the teachers that help get you there. Um, hopefully you didn't have the same teacher for too many years in a row. But, um, but, you know, just looking a layer behind everything, like who helped us get to the things that we're thankful for. And so we've had a really good time in the last couple of weeks talking about it. And um, we've been encouraging people to use the hashtag thanks for giving uh, as you've been thankful for things throughout the week. And um, that's been a really fun thing, too, is to just keep our focus on, you know, what we're thankful for, obviously, the month of Thanksgiving. And so that's been really neat. But one thing that we really zeroed in on this month um, and we'll talk a, a, about it a little bit more, but we started the first week by talking about, there's no doubt we're the most blessed country, we're the most blessed people, and we'll talk about it here in just a little bit, but that was kind of week one. But then we talked about in week two how, and, and we'll kind of do a rebuffer on it here in a minute, but we took the scripture and we'll share it that says, um, basically, like when we live in thanksgiving or when we live in an attitude of thanks or gratefulness, it causes peace to come into our life. And so thanksgiving or gratitude and peace work together in scripture. And so we talked about it last week, how um, even more so God's design for your life is to be in peace or to live in peace or to live uh, free from things that are like really stressing you out or really holding you back from the way God created you to live. And so um, this week we're going to talk even more so um, Thanksgiving and then peace, and God wants us to have peace, but then we're going to talk about today how God not only wants us to live in peace, but he wants us to be peacemakers, be people who create peace into the atmosphere. And so uh, we'll talk about it in a minute, but just to back up a little bit, some of the idea comes from this a couple of weeks ago. Most of you have heard this story, but a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had a Saturday off. We didn't have much going on, and um, the Michigan game was on, and I'm a Wolverine fan, and, um, and so... It's like everyone snickers, and I don't even have to say anything. But um, so the Michigan game was on. I forget who they even played, but it was a team they lost to. And so I know they won. They won. It was 10 to 9. And um, anyway, the game was going terrible. And so my wife, before the game came on, said, hey, um, why don't you order some pizza? You can get some pizza, and you can watch the football game, and I'll take Caroline, and we'll go hang out with Grandma, and we'll do our thing, and you can watch the game. And so she's speaking my love language. It's pizza and football. And so, like, you know, we're off to a good start. And uh, and so, anyway, so I'm sitting down. I'm watching this game. And my brother is two years younger than me. And, um, and we don't get a lot of time together because he's busy with stuff. And so uh, a lot of times, like, we have relationship just through texting and talking about football and stuff. And so, um, anyway, I'm sitting on the couch, and I'm watching this game. And it's going bad for Michigan. And so I went from this is supposed to be great uh, the Michigan game and pizza, and I'm blessed because my wife gave me this time, and she's a blessing, and my daughter is making cookies with her mom and her grandma, and we're blessed, and I'm watching this in HD, and I'm talking on my iPhone. I have all, I'm drowning in blessings is the example, yeah. but by the end of the game or towards the end of the game, I'm in such a foul mood, and I'm so mad, and I've thrown all that away because of this football game, and it's ridiculous. It's just really ridiculous. And uh, I just realized, like, here we're talking about being grateful and Thanksgiving and all this kind of stuff. And we, as Americans in this culture, we drowned, are drowning in blessing. And yet, uh, the Facebook data says that um, we're the most negative users on Facebook. Americans are the most negative users on Facebook versus anybody else in the country, yet we're the most blessed. It just doesn't make sense. And so it's something we all have to battle. And uh, part of it is... The, the, 
the bill that we're sold or the culture that's always pushed to us, and we talked about this the last couple of weeks, you will hear 6,000 messages a day marketed towards you. They say the average marketing message towards you would be 6,000. And you go, I don't know. You know, I don't know about that. That seems like a lot. But you can hear the radio and see a billboard and notice somebody's shirt label. Like all these things can happen at one time that's all shouting towards you. And then we notice that if you look at marketing or especially at the holidays, a lot of the marketing is if you don't have this, you won't be happy. And so like this holiday season, if you don't buy an Audi, you ruined Christmas. <laughs> you know, it's like, I can't buy an Audi. You know, uh, my daughter watches a lot of Disney Junior and that kind of stuff. And even the way that they market to the kids some of these toys, it literally says like, be the kid. You know, it's not, it's like said better than this because they all have really good educations. But it's like, <laughs> be the kid that has this toy and you'll be awesome. And, and it's like, and some of us remember that, like growing up in the neighborhood, like the kid that got the thing and was awesome, <laughs> we're all like, that kid's awesome, you know? Um, but it's funny, even marketing at a young age is like, if you don't have this, you won't be happy. And we hear that 6,000 times a day, this thing of like, if you don't have this, you won't be happy. And so it creates in our lives this destination disease. If I don't get to this, then I'll never be happy. Oh, if I can just get married, then I'll be happy. If I can just have a kid, then I'll be happy. If I can just get the kids out of the house, then I'll be happy. If I can just retire, then I'll be happy. And you've lived your whole life and you've missed your whole life. You've missed everything and you've had all these moments. And so it's this destination disease. If I can only get to that, then this. But really where you are is so blessed. We're drowning in blessings. And, and I know we all have bad things and I know we all have bad moments and seasons of our lives. But in those, if we can find a way, like Paul said, whether I'm fed or whether I'm not fed, I've found a way to be content. And I'm just paraphrasing. Uh, but he said it like this, you know, whether I'm fed or not fed, whether I have much or don't have much, uh, at the end of the day, I have found a way to be content. And he ends it by saying, because it's God, it's Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I believe that about us, that no matter what our circumstance or situation, good or bad, um, you have what it takes to be happy and grateful right now. You say, I don't know about that. Listen, I've met people who have had more joy than me when their bodies were full of cancer yeah. because they found that joy or strength in the Lord that I just talked about. I've been to funerals where like people celebrated at the funeral, even though it was a really hard thing. Why? Because they found a way to tap into that joy of the Lord, that strength. And so uh, that's what we have to kind of go after. And I think that comes from, which we'll read here in a minute, comes from you live grateful, you live with gratitude, and that peace that surpasses all understanding can come into your life and, and help you. Amen? So we read this, Colossians 3.15. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So that was our first mention of peace. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. Two mentions of peace. And be thankful. So there's peace and thanksgiving. They go together. So peace and thanksgiving. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish each other uh, with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. So it's saying, have the peace of God, be grateful, sing, do everything that we did this morning, come together, be in unity, but be grateful. And, uh, and then that's how the peace reigns. Verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, again, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then we looked at how in Romans, this is how you can get off track. Romans one twenty one it says, Although they knew God, but they did not glorify him as God, neither were they thankful, but they became futile in their thoughts, 
and their foolish hearts darkened. So today, so like in society, like we just mentioned, like how do we get so far off track? How do we get so greedy? How do we get so ungrateful? It's that. It's when we know of God, but we don't glorify him and we aren't thankful towards him that all of a sudden our hearts become cold and dark and we get off the pace. And we all do it. You know, it's not like somebody can sit here and go like, uh, you know, oh, I've, you know, I've maybe been away from God for years or maybe or whatever. That's not the point. The point is like, it's saying, hey, work at being thankful. Work at glorifying God. Make sure he's, he's the light at the end of your tunnel, not that destination disease of something you can get to. Amen? So that's one way we guard it. And so today I want to start kind of with a new thought. And um, it starts with the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. There's eight things listed. They're called the Beatitudes in Scripture. And um, basically the Beatitudes are this. They're attitudes that ought, ought to be a part of your life, the Beatitudes. Um, they're just things that we should function in. And uh, here's one of them, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Uh, or it, in Scripture, when you would see the children of God, um, it was like a blessed nation. It was people like, hey, there's the children of God. They're, they're the blessed of God. And so uh, one way that you could say it is blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called, uh, you know, that, the children of God, the blessed of God. And so that's it for us is blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. You're called to be a peacemaker. Not only should our emphasis be, I'm going to live grateful and live thankful, and then peace will enter my life. But then like everything else in the kingdom of God, I'm going to take what God gave me peace. And I'm going to do what? Give it to others. Because the blessing of God is take it, receive it, give it, take it, receive it. It's like this blessing machine that we're just created to always do and always do. And um, we like, we recycle in, in a good way, all the blessings of God. We're blessed to be a blessing, all that kind of stuff. And that's what it's saying here about peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. Psalm 34, 14, it says, turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So it's like kind of saying the same thing, right? Like school of redundancy school, <laughs> seek peace and pursue it. Um, but what it's saying is here, like you seek it and then you stay after it. It's not like, oh man, finally I got like this season of peace in my life. Like you got to work hard at it. You have to pursue peace because blessed are the peacemakers, those who can do that. Uh, Psalm 29, 11 says, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. And so it's one thing to have strength. The Lord gives you strength. That's a good thing. But then it's also good to have peace. And uh, Ecclesiastes, and I'll kind of camp out here and spend a little bit of time talking about this. But Ecclesiastes has this really cool scripture that says this, it says that there's a time for war and there's a time for peace. Some of you have heard that. And so it's saying that there's both. And that's what I believe the scripture is. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord also blesses his people with peace. I think it ties into Ecclesiastes. So there's a time for war and there's a time for peace. It's interesting because our last series last month was called what? Make war. And I'm over here talking about like peace, 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 be a peacemaker. And it's because both, we almost called this series make peace. We almost did make war and followed it up with make peace. But there's a season for both. And let me give you an example. Uh, this time last year, we were raising um, about $100,000 was the goal. We needed to try to raise $100,000 to be able to buy all that you see and renovate. As a matter of fact, Black Friday of last year was the first hammer that ever got swung. Um, up in our kids, uh, on our second floor, those used to look like doctor's offices. Actually, um, 
on our one-year celebration service coming up in January, we're going to show you all the pictures of the remodel and what it looked like and all that. So Black Friday of last year was the first hammer that we swung and started renovating all that kind of stuff. But, but basically at this time last year, we were sending out our fundraising campaigns. We were meeting with people all over the place. We were literally um, at war for what we believed God was going to do here. We were out fighting. It was that season of there's a time for war. There's a time to go after it. There's a time to go um, get in the battle. And obviously the scripture has a lot of that um, in it. Uh, but what I believe about the two seasons is there's a time for war and then there's a time for peace. I believe the war seasons produce peace seasons for other people. And so for us, we warred it. We warred it. We went after it and we raised money and we trusted God. And listen, like I look around this room or other, other people that even aren't in this room, but they're serving here, the sacrifices that people made to be able to make this happen. A lot of you people don't, you know, a lot of like people don't know that aren't on the inside. People like moved from across state to be a part of this and like gave up really good jobs that they had ownership in just because they believed in what God was gonna do here uh, with the church, not with me or my wife or anything like that. But, and so like people made major, they went to war in their lives, trusting God for what he was gonna do here. And the result that's been neat is people have received peace from it. So there's a time for war, there's a time for peace. And so I think there's times that you war, but it does produce peace. There's actually a scripture, I can't get into it, but I believe it's in Isaiah. And it talks about how you will bend your swords into a plow. And, uh, and I forget what the other translation is, but it literally describes how you're taking war pieces and then you're gonna use them for harvest pieces. Well, harvest is like the return, the peace season. And so I, I get it. I get it that there's war seasons and that you go after. But my encouragement is, and that's why we preached on Make War last month. My encouragement to you, though, is they have to be, you have to live in a way that you can receive the peace seasons. You have to be aware. Seek and pursue peace in your life. Because if all you're doing is warring, you're not going to make it. I just got to be honest. Like, you're not going to make it. You have to position and posture yourself to be able to enter into that season of peace because that's God's design for your life. Amen? So there's a time for war and there's a time for peace. Um, peace, it's blessed are those who are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are the peacemakers. It didn't say to those, it didn't say make it known to those how right you are. Like this is where we really get off as a church, not vertical, hopefully not vertical, some vertical. Um, if it's you at vertical, that's when I make war and then we go get you. Um, but listen here, honestly, like just church confession as somebody who's in church culture, this is where the church has struck out. And not only have you struck out, like you ugly struck out. Um, and I'm in this, we're all in this. So it's like I said, just what the church has done instead of being blessed and peacemakers, we've gone out to be the people who set out to be right. And so the church has gotten up and here's how we're right and here's how you're wrong and here's how we're better than you and here's how you're not good enough and here's how you, it's ridiculous. Listen, Jesus came to earth and when he lived here, he didn't come here to show everybody how right he was. He came here to build a bridge for people to God. Somebody say amen. And we get so caught up in being right and sticking it to people and saying this and doing that, that it, it's just ridiculous. Amen. I love this thought. 
a mentor of mine. He's from the South and he's crazy. And he talks with a Southern accent. He's actually an evangelist. So he's one of the guys literally who runs around and still like uses a hanky to like wipe his brow and he's all preaching and crazy. But he said, listen, he said, a bulldog could whoop a skunk every day, right? But is it really worth the stink? And that's what I want to say to the church and like Christians sometime. And I am one, just so you know, if you're wondering, but that guy hates Christians. I don't understand him. I think he was the pastor. <laughs> like, there's a great book out. Yeah, it's a great, I just, yeah. Um, there's a great book out there called Lord Save Us From Your Followers. And I'm like, yes, please do that. You know, like, okay, everybody say like, calm down, calm down. I got to make peace here. But listen, that's the truth is like with a lot of the ways Christians approach things is we're that bulldog. I'm going to go whoop that skunk and I'm going to show him. But was it really worth all the stink? Was it really worth all that? Because there was no winner in that, right? There was no winner in that. But blessed are those who are the peacemakers. Blessed are those like Jesus came to this earth. He didn't tell people the way. He showed them the way right? And we all get on our Facebook and we all got Obama and we all got to go get him and we got to make a big stink. Hey, let's just be some people in our community who show people the way. Somebody say amen. If the church took its place, we wouldn't even be talking about welfare. Somebody say amen. Okay, let's make some peace. <laughs> and I'm not like being an Obama guy or anybody guy. I'm just saying I'm a Jesus guy and I want that to be in our community. Amen. And so I'm all about standing up for what's right. And in the next election, we're going to do all that we can to promote the truth and biblically values and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying we, we snail and we hide and, and turtle shell and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is blessed are the peacemakers. Let's show the way instead of barking the way the whole time. Amen? So blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus didn't come to be right, and even though he was, Jesus came to show the way. He's like, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if Jesus, well, when Jesus was brought before Pontius Pilate and he was able to, remember the scripture says, I could call down a legion of angels and I could be right. But instead he led in peace. The night before he says to Peter, he says, hey, uh, you got to stay here and pray that you not fall into temptation. And then he falls asleep. Peter falls asleep. And when he wakes up, they capture Jesus and Peter gets out the sword and he cuts off the guy's ear. And Jesus does what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. This guy needs his ear. Like, let's put this back on. I'm going to make peace here. And he tells Peter, you know, hey, he says, uh, you live and die by the sword. Don't, don't be a person that, that lives that way. Blessed are the peacemakers. And so Jesus had opportunity to be right. And he was. He was perfect. He was blameless. But there's instances where it was better uh, to be the peacemaker. So Jesus even uh, showed us that. But I want to point out a few things just to help us in life. Because I know maintaining peace is hard. Uh, end of the year, holidays, like all that kind of stuff. You protect uh, your family. You, you, know, you got all this stuff that you, you want to keep peace with. Uh, so I get that it's hard. It's a challenge. But I want to encourage you in this. Peace is not the absence of trouble. Jesus was down in the boat actually taking a nap, and the storm got crazy. Since, you know, you can read it in Scripture. Storm gets all crazy, and the boat's going crazy. And so there was trouble in his life. And he gets up and he goes up to the top because they woke him up and he gets up there and he says, peace, be still. And he calms the storm, whatever. Trouble was real in his life, but he could still command peace into it. It's the same thing in your life. You may have trouble in your life, but you can still command peace into it. Peace is a conflict on the outside, but you don't let it get on the inside. That's the kind of peace we're talking about. 
is, hey, there's going to be stuff that's just not right. That's a fr- But you can have the kind of peace that it's happening on the outside, but you don't let it get to the inside. Scripture says this, that God will prepare for you in the... Uh, God will prepare for you a table in the presence of your enemies. You can be around things in your life that aren't good, that aren't for you, but he'll prepare a a place in front of that that you can be at peace. Uh, When they would send the disciples out to go minister to homes or go connect with people, they would say, hey, uh, go in there and command peace into that house. And so they would walk to the house and Jesus' instruction was to say peace to the house. And if they receive it, the scripture said the peace would stay. But then they said if they didn't receive it, they said that the peace would come back onto you. So I want to encourage you that even if people don't enter into peace with you, you can still have peace. So you're saying, oh, Josh, I don't get it. Like there's people in my life that it's going to be hard for me to get peace with. Listen, you can go and cast peace and do your very best. Go out there and with a sincere heart, cast that peace. But you're released that if they don't receive that peace, that peace comes back onto you and you can stay at peace. So I'm not saying everybody has to be in agreement and be perfect with you for you to be at peace. It's that you tried to be the peacemaker and that peace came back on you and then you're released to be at peace. And literally you just have this attitude of peace. <laughs> like I'm out. Well, that's right. Like you're released. You're free from that. And, um, Call me sometime, 555, <laughs> give me a call. But Proverbs 16, 7 says this, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. So a promise of God is that when you try, when you go try to make peace and you make your best effort, God helps. God can come in and help. So the thing that really hurt you, that thing that was really hard, that thing that still gets at you and robs you of your peace, God can help you with that. Now, I know there's things that take really serious work and a lot of, like, it was a big deal. Not just like, hey, you know, somebody like didn't click like on my picture. I'm upset about it. Like, I know there's really heavy things that have to get worked through and you should work through them and and do that kind of stuff because God promises that even your enemies can be at peace. Um, So I love that. So check this out too, even Abraham. And so we all know in scripture, Father Abraham, that whole thing. And so there's a story about Abraham. God blesses Abraham and says that you're going to be blessing so many. Uh, Just like we're blessed to be a blessing, says to Abraham, man, you're going to be this guy who just blesses a whole bunch of people. And so as that was happening, Lot uh, is basically in a business relationship with Abraham. And they're two different cattle people, if you will, or whatever, ranch tenders. I'm not really sure what you would call it. I don't know. But basically they're workers. They're two different working groups. Abraham's and Lot's people start fighting over the property and who gets this watering hole and who gets this. And then they're all fighting over all these different places. And so Abraham actually goes to Lot. Now Lot had no right. It wasn't like he was lined up for the inheritance. He was already just living on the coattails of Abraham. And so the fact that he's even in this game or in this conversation is really all because of Abraham. So Abraham could have gone in there and been like, what are you kidding me? You've been riding my coattails this whole time. You think you get any of this? And instead, as they're arguing, Abraham goes up to Lot and says, hey, why don't you just choose? Take your guys and you guys choose whatever you want. Whatever, let's split it. Like whatever part of it you want, you can have. And so of course, Lot picks the best of everything. Takes the best watering hole, the best pasture, the best everything. And, uh, and then Abraham is left with the worst of all of it. But Abraham knew this promise. If I walk away from the stuff, I get to keep my peace. He chose peace over stuff. And the scripture says that later in scripture after this, it mentions Abraham as being the person, the wealthiest person on earth at that time. 
God honored the fact that he chose peace and being a peacemaker over someone who pursued stuff. And isn't it interesting too that we love to get in the, well, it's my right. I'm going to make war here and I'm not going to be a peacemaker because I've earned or I deserve. And I, but Abraham said, like, my trust is in the Lord. I'm going to be a peacemaker because blessed are the peacemakers. Somebody say amen. So it's interesting uh, that sometimes we walk away from things uh, and stuff to pursue peace. I love this about David. Peace is such an important part of our life. Uh, peace, David, uh, God instructed uh, to build a, a temple. And uh, we all know the story of the temple. So David and Solomon, and so they're instructed to build the temple. And David, and, and God said about David, he said, hey, you can't build the temple because you have bloody hands. Because he was a man of war, because of his history, you can't. But what's interesting about when he chose Solomon, he said this. He said, now that you've had rest on every side, it's time to build. Because you're a person of peace or a person who's experienced peace, now we can build this thing. Now we can do this thing. And my encouragement to you is that there are only, there are certain things, only some things will come out of places of peace. Just in your life, there's like things that God wants to do and the only way that they'll grow or the only bed that they grow in or the only thing that they'll come out of is they come out of places of peace. And, uh, and that's what we see here with even building the tabernacle. It's like, I don't know. Uh, so I used to ride dirt bikes. Um, we do the racing dirt bikes. So we do the jumps and like all the bank turns and all that kinds of stuff. And, um, you'd be very instructed about like where you put your feet on the pegs and what leg you use to turn. And especially when you're jumping like the big jumps, it was very important to like how you put your posture and everything. And so um, there's this one section called the whoop section and it's all the little like hills that go right in a row. They're small, but they're all right in a row. It's like a whole section of them. And the goal with that is, is if you're if you will, if you'll give me this liberty, if you're at peace with your bike, if you're in the perfect posture, the goal is you actually just skip your front tire along each and you let your back tire just catch, 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 catch. And that's what it sounds like when you go. It's like wah, 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 wah. And, uh, and so you go across. The problem is if you ever get out of balance, if you ever lose the peace of your bike, being in peace with that dirt bike, if you ever lose that, then the front tire comes down. Or if you turn the wheel, then it starts to jump across them this way. And you don't want to go across them this way because you get sideways. You don't want the front to come down first because then it starts to catch, catch, catch. And so they have a, a word for it is if you lose your peace, if you lose your uh, balance or your posture on the bike, they call it, you go into a huckabuck. And that's exactly what happens. Uh, if you go on YouTube, uh, it just starts huckabucking everywhere. Your back tire's up, then your front tire, and you're going sideways and whatever. And eventually, it throws you off the bike. And, um, and so you can watch all the videos. And so you're in this huckabuck, and it happens to you all the time uh, because none of us are professionals. <laughs> we're just idiots. And so um, <laughs> we think we're professionals, and we're not. And so you get out there and, and you're in the huckabuck and you know you're going to crash. There's no saving it. You can't grab the brake. There's no stopping it. It's just like, how am I going to crash? And, um, and so what's interesting is once you're in huckabuck, once you've lost the peace, once you've lost the momentum and the, and the posture, and the, there is no saving it. Your hand is off the front and then your, bet, your foot are off the pegs and all this kind of stuff is happening. And, and that's my point to the importance of a posture of peace. If you let your life get into such a spiral or a huckabuck that all of a sudden you're making decisions with your finances because, oh man, this has gotten out of control and this has gotten out of control. This habit's grown out of control. There is no getting back on the bike except for with God, amen? But there are things that are supposed to be produced 
or th- there's a rhythm that's supposed to happen from peace. And it's, that's it. You come to that whoop section on your bike and there's a rhythm that can happen beautifully if you keep in peace. And it's the same thing in our life. If you can trust God and keep peace and be a peacemaker, there's a beautiful rhythm that can happen to your life. But when you get huckabuck, it's hard to save. Somebody say amen. That's why the Bible is full of promises and instructions to you that say, hey, don't live like that. That's not a good thing. I'm not here to control you and take all the fun out of your life. I'm just saying like, oh, don't live like that because that's going to get you into a huckabuck. And then the scripture always says, don't live like that, but live like this. It's better or blessed if you live like this. Not so good if you live like this. It's not because God's trying to take the fun out of your life. It's because he's saying there's a beautiful rhythm that can happen if you live like this. It's better if you live like this. And so that's how we have to live with our finances and, and with our family and in our marriages. We can't let dysfunction continue because the further and faster you go down that whoop section and you start huckabucking, the worse it is. You're hitting those harder. You're hitting those harder. So we got to find those places of dysfunction and say, God, how can we bring peace to this? God, how can we save this? Put me back in the beautiful rhythm. Amen. I love this about God. Uh, The New Testament, uh, one of the names of God in scripture is Jehovah Shalom. Shalom is peace. They believed about peace so much in scripture that literally, how did they greet each other? In New Testament, how would they greet each other? They would come up to each other and they would say, shalom. Like, hey, the most important thing in my relationship with you right now is shalom. So that's where we're going to start. Isn't it funny how in our culture, when we first meet somebody or we're in relationship with somebody, it's interesting how we don't shalom, we evaluate. I wonder what kind of car they drive. I wonder what kind of job they have. I wonder what they... And and we're like already putting something between us instead of peace. We've just gotten far away. And so if we can be that peacemaker who we live in a place that it's shalom, shalom, uh, one of the names of God is shalom, we'll be in a much, much better place with each other. Amen. So the story, God in number six says to Moses, hey, tell Aaron to tell the people this. And you've all heard it before. In number 624 says, he tells them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace is how that ends. Because peace is a big deal to God in our lives. And I think one of the ways that the enemy or the devil, if you will, their devourer, however you would say it, um, one of the ways that he's done a really good job of giving us a hard time is by saying, stay really busy over here and chase after this thing and go after this and And it keeps us so busy that we have no peace. Um, Jess and I were working this week and Caroline wasn't with us and it was nighttime. So nobody was here and we were in our office and so nothing was happening in the building and Caroline wasn't with us and we're working and we were like, do you hear that? I was like, yeah, I don't hear anything. This is amazing, you know, like, because we have a two-year-old. And so um, it's so funny that like quiet or peace or an atmosphere of calm has become the not normal to us. And we're actually going to talk about it next week, how uh, quiet and stillness in God is actually a really big deal. And, um, and so for us, I think we have to train ourselves to not be chasing this thing and this thing and filling all our time with this. We have to have those moments or quiet peace with God. Because listen, anybody who has your peace controls you. Or anything that has your peace controls you. 
So if I can just get to the, if I can just get that house, if we could just move into that neighborhood or just go to that school, or if I could just be back together with him, or if I could just, any of those things that have your peace controls you. And that's not how God designed you to live. Amen. Isaiah 26, three, as I'm closing, it says, you will keep in peace. You will keep in perfect peace. Him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. A translation says it like this. You will keep in perfect peace those whose mind is resolute, firm, or unwavering because he trusts in you. So how do we keep perfect peace in our life? We keep our minds firm and set on the goal of God and the way that he created us to live. Amen? Why don't you all stand? I'm going to have DJ come play. You drop the lights down a little. We're going to pray in a minute. I, um, I don't want anybody to move or make any disruptions because I want to kind of pray out before we leave just a couple more minutes. But I want to encourage you. Um, there's a story of this guy named Jehoshaphat in Scripture, and obviously a crazy name, Old Testament, whatever. But um, there's this guy in Scripture, and the enemy has surrounded him. So he's totally surrounded. He feels totally trapped. So at this point, he's probably feeling inadequate. I don't feel good enough. He was leading his entourage, if you will. And all of a sudden they're surrounded. They're stuck. He's worked all this time to get to a certain level and now he's surrounded. So he's sort of evaluating his life and he's like, man, we're surrounded. We're not gonna win. We're not gonna do this thing. I don't know if he would have died. I don't know how it works. But like, he's having this reflection of like, man, we're surrounded by the enemy here. This could be it. I think anybody would be going like life evaluation. And so... He's surrounded and he asked God, you know, hey, we're surrounded. What should we do? Should we fight? Should we fight? And God's response to him is actually, no, don't fight. Go out. And they started praising God, which for us, you know, that sounds like a real church word, real churchy word or whatever. But what they did was they went out and they started giving thanks to God. Why? Because then that peace moves in and it gives God a place. And actually, uh, God said back to him, you go out and you praise. And they went out and they praised and they gave thanks to God. And they, they basically identified God as the one who provides and who is God or Lord of their life. And the scripture says that God's response to them is that this is a battle that the Lord will fight. That was the response. You go out and you give praise or you give thanksgiving or you show your gratitude and that the Lord will come in and fight this battle for you. With all your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I say the same thing to you this morning. You may have lived in a way that you've gotten to a point and you may feel surrounded by the enemy. You may be like, man, I don't know if I have an out on this. I don't know how I can make it or push forward. Or maybe it just may be like one scenario, just one little thing that you're like, man, that one thing's got me surrounded. I don't know how I'm gonna live. Listen, if you can take a moment to acknowledge God as Lord and be grateful and be thankful, it'll be a battle that the Lord will fight for you. No matter where you are, you may feel surrounded. I'm not saying it's gonna be perfect. I'm not saying it's not gonna be scary and some strong steps you have to take. But what I'm saying is that the same thing God said is like, hey, he, God wants to be the God who can bring peace into your life and help you in that battle. So one way that I would say that you can do that is some people call it the sinner's prayer. Some people call it the prayer of salvation. What we believe it is, is it's acknowledging God as your Lord and Savior. It's saying, today, I am choosing to leave the way that I used to live 
and I'm going to pursue God. I'm going to pursue the ways of God. Like I mentioned earlier, how God says, ah, those things over there, not so good. Why don't you do these things? You're saying that's going to be me today. I'm going to follow those things. Ah, not so great. I want to pick up these things because Jesus promised this, that I've come to give you life and give it to you better. You don't have to do it on your own. You don't have to do it the way of the world. You can do it the way that God laid out and it's the better way to live. Not that you're better than anybody else, but it's just the better way to live because God created you and knows how you work. And so you're gonna stay in your seat. I'm gonna give you the opportunity to pray this prayer of salvation. Sins forgiven, deciding to be a Christian. The scripture says that you'd be on your way to heaven. Choosing to be a Christ follower. Heaven is your home. So no one will look around. We'll all keep our eyes bowed. But if that's you in here, and today you want to make a life change, you want to make that positive step forward and choose God to be your Lord and Savior, I'll just have you raise up your hand on the count of three. Nobody's going to like pull you out of your chair, or give you any material. You don't have to go to a class. All you're going to do is repeat. All of us will repeat this prayer. So we're not going to embarrass you or anything like that. But I want your heart to make a connection with God today. Your heart to go, yeah, God, that's me. Like I'm in. So on the count of three, just raise it up high enough and uh, I'll acknowledge it. So on three, if that's you today, yeah, we're going for that. One, two, three, just raise your hand. Cool, cool. See both those hands, anybody else? Cool, see that hand. Listen, you're in a room full of people that love you and are believing for you and want the best for you. It's nothing to be embarrassed about or ashamed about. Today is the best day of your life when you choose to follow God because all the promises we just talked about Anybody else? I see three, four hands in here. Anybody else? Just shoot yours up. Cool. I see all those hands. So here's what we're going to do. Stay right where you're at. And I want everybody to, to pray and believe this prayer and agree uh, out loud with me. But what we're going to do is we're going to pray this prayer. Just repeat after me. And um, that's the sinner's prayer. It's the prayer of salvation. And the word promises that your sins are forgiven and you're starting that journey uh, on your walk with God. So let's all say this. Say, God, today... I choose you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of all my sins. Give me the strength to follow you. Today, I say yes to a new me. In Jesus' name.